Welcome back, everybody, to episode one three of Retro Encounter. I'm your not quite host. Let's call you. I'll call the call myself the mediator today. I I left for the last episode because I suffered in a tragic cycling uphill accident where I fell into a haystack, Assassin's Creed style, and then couldn't escape. So I wasn't in the last episode. Sorry, guys. Joining me today is Peter Treisenberg. Hello. Davey Tesnovich. Hi, guys. Josh Curry. Hey, everyone. And Marcos Gaspar Esquire. Howdy. You're not, are you actually an Esquire? You're not an Esquire, but I wanted to say that. I'm not going like to I'm, I'm not gonna let you answer. I like how you actually introduced everybody's last name. I looked at some of those last names last time we recorded. I was like, no, <laughs> never going to do that. You know what? It's just, <laughs> it's, just, it's just because I've suffered through listening to my own voice editing podcast long enough that I can just deal with it now. You'll get there. You'll someday you will say last names with panache. You'll look at them and you'll see them as a challenge. See, I can take panache on two names. And I can put all of that into the first name, and it sounds a hundred times better. Joining me today is <laughs> Yeah. So we are finally done with Trails in the Sky, Legend of Heroes. I Yay. Uh, so I I want to start us off on a positive note here because I am concerned that some of us may ultimately have not fallen in the camp of loving this game. Um, so I made it to about halfway through chapter three and then had to watch the end of it. I just, um, there was a comment made on the boards that I think that the game would have made a great visual novel. And I actually agree because for me, I was rushing through the combat as much as you can. Uh, and you're all right. Getting area of effect attacks definitely made the game a little bit faster. Um, and you know, I feel like if I think I made this comment in the first episode, and I feel like if the game had come out in two thousand and one, I would have adored it. Um, maybe because I had more time to dedicate to you know uh, playing games that take a long time. But uh, you know, what I really did start to like was the sort of them delivering on all of the plot setup stuff that they had. Um, again, having watched the end was a little less impactful than if I was actually fighting the final boss, but. Um, I like where it went, and I sort of I, I accidentally read ahead to what happens in the second chapter because I was curious, and I do I, I think it's actually a little sad that people have had to wait so long. Like I remember as a kid waiting for new Harry Potter books and the agony, and it, like if for somebody who was really invested in this game, I I sympathize with you having to wait this long to play a second chapter because I do I, I really do feel like it picked up steam at the end. I, I still. Personally, again, I made this comment on Twitter. I feel like if this game were called Final Fantasy, everybody would trash it for taking that long to get started, like Final Fantasy XIII. Um, yeah. But just like how I think Final Fantasy XIII also eventually lives up to the premise of its combat, at least, I really, I do feel like that this game rewarded the time investment. Like, if I had had an extra month to play it, I probably actually would have finished it because I made it that far. But, uh, you know, watching the ending, I, I was still satisfied with how things ended up. Uh, what do you guys? Yeah, I, I, the story. Yeah, I guess the story's fantastic. Um, oh I, man! Oh yeah! Yeah, I, I think that's something that everybody can agree on. I, it, it's one of those things. It, it's well written. It's it's funny when it needs to be. Um, there's enough surprises that it, you probably saw coming, but at least it was they tried. Yeah, well, you know, I sort of have the perspective of, you know, it's not doing something that I would qualify as wholly original. But it's one of those things where I don't think it has to be, as long as what it does is executed well. Um, I, I really feel like the whole government conspiracy thing took a little too long to get started. Um, like, 
I know they sort of sow some of those seeds earlier on. Um, and there are, I mean, maybe I, maybe I missed this again, having not actually played the fourth chapter, but Estelle not knowing that her father was like the legendary hero at all. Yeah. I don't. Yeah. that Like, how did she not find that out? Like she was educated in all these, like you know, being a bracer, fighting all these other things. Because she's a spell and she doesn't understand things. Yeah, but I feel like, you know, like there's, that's, and again, maybe this is being a little nitpicky of a, of a story that, again, by and large, I think did execute pretty well. But that, that one particular detail really bothers me is that Estelle doesn't know that one thing about her father. Like, you know. So I, I'm going to kind of disagree with you. I, I feel like it's one of those things that you can have somebody tell you all these wonderful things about your parent or your friend. But at the end of the day, that parent or friend is what you see. And so she she grew up seeing this kind of goofy person that joked around with her that wasn't imposing. She never saw him in action. She never saw that rally against everybody, the Empire or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So for, always, Sorry, go ahead. He was always gone. If I was to say, he was always gone, like, off on So her perception of him would then limited. Yeah, exactly. And it, so it's one of those things that... To her, she was just not. It's, it's it wasn't part of her world. You can be told something a million times, but you don't believe it until you actually see it. You know, I think that's a really good point because uh, you get this feeling, especially when you get to chapter four and you're in the tournament and everything, and you're fighting alongside the senior bracers. Like you start to get the feeling that you're seeing this world through the eyes of an adult now. Right. Yeah. No. And that's you know that's actually something I really like. Like. I'm going to point out that I'm a Naruto fan. I didn't watch it for a really long time, like right when it switched to the second series, because there's a really bad arc before it starts to get really good, and I'm finishing it now. And it this game actually sort of apes that one particular arc I like. I don't know, for, for people who are familiar with Naruto, it's the pain arc, which is amazing. Um, but it's when the characters who started out as the children, and there are all the adult characters, they start to become the ones who are the driving forces of the plot. Like Naruto... Joshua and Estelle are the driving force of the plot in the beginning, but they're not driving the story. They're driving, you know, they're the main characters of your narrative, but they're not pushing what is happening, you know, in terms of plot. And well, if anything, like, they're being dragged. Yeah, you know, like it's very much, and we, we talked about this. I really, I, I suffered through it. So on the one hand, I'm, ang- I'm not angry, but I'm like, oh, I wish I didn't have to play through all this slow stuff and this running back and forth and these fetch quests. But on the other hand, I can appreciate the perspective of you spent so much time doing that that when you start to become a player in the world, it it actually does have a little more impact. So I, I do like that. It's a very like Naruto coming of age Bildungsroman type thing that I, I you know I can even if I, I I found the journey poorly paced, I can at least appreciate that it gets to that point. And I did like that. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up Naruto. I was going to make that exact same parallel as it feels like when uh, the main characters in Naruto start to become Chunin and then Junin. Like, you're like, oh yeah, they're they're freaking real players in the ninja world now. Yeah, so, and this is going to be really nitpicky, and this is more of a video game complaint. One of my issues I have then with that is the monsters in the world. I, I feel like if you've made that step up to you're a badass, you should be a badass. And so to come across like a stupid wolf or a bird, have them kick your ass, it, it just, I don't know. Yeah, I know that's, I'm that's, tired of... Sorry. sorry, go ahead. It's just this video game complaint. It's, it's, 
all video games, but it's yeah. It's, well, annoying. it's one of those gameplay doesn't always match up with narrative. Like, I'm playing The Witcher 3 right now, and by all accounts, Geralt should murder every cheap bandit he comes across. But A, I'm playing on the hardest difficulty, and B, it's, you know, it's, it's occasionally a tough game. So it's like you fight five bandits and you get wrecked, and I'm like, there's no way Geralt would ever lose to bandits. And C, amnesia. Conversely, it's also like, you know, it's one of those gameplay conceits where it's like, for the sake of game, this this can happen, even though it really couldn't. So, I guess to talk a little bit maybe more about the gameplay side of it, I, I brought this up earlier, I really feel like this game would have been a great visual novel or anime. Um, nope. And I know maybe that's not what everyone wants to hear about a game that they really love, but for me... I just, I feel like that the, the turn-based combat is serviceable at best. Like, I like, the, I like the orbit system, and I like the sort of complexities that it has, in theory. But it comes down to, it's not, for me, it wasn't fun to actually use those things. Like, setting it up was cool, but after a while, it was just like, oh my god, I don't care how my party's set up, I just want to win fights faster. Yep. Well, I felt a little validated when I heard that the uh, that Vita port coming out in Japan has the fast-forward option. Yeah, no, and like, we were, before we started recording, we talked about that. Like, I was like, you know what would make this game ten times better for me? Fast-forward. So that way when I'm running down the 300 super long, circuitous hallway to get to the end of a Bracer quest, because I'm a completionist, and maybe this is probably why I couldn't finish the game, uh, is I, I wanted to do every Bracer quest. And when I, I missed that one that starts in Chapter 2 or whatever... Or no, I think it yep. actually starts in chapter. Starts in chapter. I don't know wherever it starts. I missed it, and so I couldn't do it. And like, it's just the like black notebook. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just like when I played Suikoden Two the first. I, I haven't finished that game yet, but I'm I'm working through it. And the first time I played it, like, there's a character that you have to get like fairly substantially into the game in like 11 hours to get him. And when I found out I couldn't do that, I was like, mm. and it. Those types of things honestly cause me to stop playing games because I'm such an odd OCD completionist that I'm like, I can't miss that. That's ridiculous. I must have everything. And uh, So I'm exactly the same way. Um, but this game, this game as a whole, the pacing with how the gameplay goes, all the battles, it annoyed me to the point that I perfectly broke that. I didn't do well, anything in this game. Let's talk about reward feedback, right? Because, like... What's what's your ideal reward from this game? I think almost everybody is playing this game for the incredible writing, the heartfelt story, and like the character building, character and world building. So when yeah. you're sitting there in battle for any amount of time, and you're like, "This is not my reward feedback. What am I doing?" Yeah, like that's not the strength of it. You know, like dramatic storyline confrontations aside, the strength of this game, and I, I feel like even a fan of this game, and I, you know, I, I respect that there are people that do enjoy the, the combat and like the sort of character building aspects of this game. I feel like even a fan of this game would acknowledge that they're in it for the narrative for Joshua and Estelle because they're adorable. I love Joshua and Estelle. Like I legitimately, you know, there's there, we have a question coming up from a from a listener later that I, I don't want to lampshade it too much, but uh, about second chapter, and I do want to know what happens to these characters again. I already admitted that I read ahead because I wanted to see what happened next. Um, you know, so that's the thing is I feel like all the time I spent doing obnoxious fetch type stuff would have been really pushed ahead if all I had was a Chrono Cross slash Final Fantasy XII International style fast forward button. Because then it's like combat, ba 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 boom, done. Like run to the end of this hallway, boom, done. 
I'm like, yes, it's it's sort of like, and again, we're they that must not be named, but if you play a game on an emulator, it's like a Super Nintendo game, you got that turbo button. Yep. So it's like, yeah, I don't mind replaying Chrono Trigger 400 times on an emulator because I can run to the end super fast. You know, I get to the... Th- like last episode I brought up... Uh, sorry. No, good. Last episode I brought up Bravely Default, and like, that game would have been horrible if you couldn't fast forward that combat. Yeah, and uh, actually it's funny that maybe another sort of tactics game is coming up with jobs. But uh, Bravely Default, like, I loved leveling up in Bravely Default and building my party, but it would have been a lot more annoying if I couldn't rapid fire through the fights. Uh, which, you know, there are schools of thought, like maybe our own Rob Steinman might think that giving a game a fast forward button is an acknowledgement that your game is flawed because what you're doing is fun is not fun enough or is too tedious. But I don't necessarily agree with that because part of what we like about RPGs and even part of what I liked about this game, or, well, part of what I didn't like about this game, but it's character building, and a lot, to some extent, you know, we do acknowledge that there's a little bit of grind in that. Look at an MMO. People play MMOs for hundreds of hours, and it's basically a grind to get a cooler sword. And, you know, having a fast-forward button would allow me to grind those bracer quests faster, because I want to get to the higher ranks, because the, that reward item you get usually is pretty good, and just from, from my perspective, my, my perspective is when I play a game, if I'm going to invest my time in it, I want to see everything in it. Like, Witcher 3 is going to take me 600 years because there's like 9 million things to do in every area, and I want to see them all partially because they're all really awesome in that game. But it's like, you know, if I'm going to get invested into this world, I'm going to go all the way. And in the case of this game, it made it so I couldn't finish. Uh, you know, if there was a fast forward button, I can almost guarantee you I would have beaten this game a week or two ago instead of I, just barely I think you're... watching the rest. I think you'd be more inclined to stop and smell the roses if you're blasting through the other parts, too. Absolutely. Like, you know, not to monopolize the discussion here, but I I do feel like I would want to sit and read those little cute character moments. I'd spend more time talking to everybody in town because by the end, I was like, I'm not talking to you unless you have a brace request. I'm just no. Yep. And, you know, I, I, I feel like if I was able to spend less time doing the things in this game that I didn't enjoy, I would have had even more time to, like you said, stop and smell the roses and take advantage of all of its its fairly numerable strengths in terms of writing and characterization. So I actually have a question on the reward loop. Um, I think one of the problems I had, I didn't notice it for a while. It was actually getting ready for next month's game. We start, I started playing Final Fantasy X. But with when you beat a monster, you only get like goods that you could goods do that you could. with. Um, but there was never any money. There was never any uh, actual items that came out. Would that have been enough to give you a reward loop to actually want to engage in random battles? I would say no. I, I would probably also say no. You know, because it's not like you're getting Brave the Default, Final Fantasy Tactics, Final Fantasy X AP to go do interesting customization choices. It's yeah. like no, you got Sephith, and yeah, you can you can work with your orbits and stuff, but. It, for me, it takes so long to upgrade your orbits that I'm like, I, no. So, like, one of the things I always think about, um, I, I did this a lot in uh, Final Fantasy IV. I would leave the town, and I would go and I'd do enough battles that I would gain experience, whatever. But that were, there'd be enough done that I'd gain money, so if I stayed in an inn or whatnot, I would never be losing money. Yeah, like, and your net result would be that you had come out on top. Right, and in that's, this, that's almost at all... That's how I played quest. Yeah. So in this, like, at all times, you're on a, definitely if you're not doing all the bounties, you're on a very limited budget. And so you're always having diminishing returns for everything that you do. 
And yeah, and you know what's interesting too is that you bring up a limited budget because I don't actually think that's a bad thing because that resource management of a limited resource is, and I've been saying this in every podcast, and I'm sure people who listen to all three are tired of hearing me say it, but managing a, re- a limited resource is part of what's fun about a game. Like, look at Skies of Arcadia. You have that party bar where, like, it's like, do I have enough points to use this spell and then to use Vi's special attack? Pirate's Wrath! And then, you know, do you, you know, you're, you're making these choices of, like, how to divvy up your limited resources to make it more fun. So when it's I, I, I feel like this game didn't have that, where it's like, yeah, you have your arts and crafts and you sort of have a back and forth, which I do think, to their credit, that is a sort of fun back and forth if the combat were faster. But, you know, it's never like... The only way you can really reliably get money is to complete bracer quests, it seems like, or to sell junk. And, I mean, I, I, I don't sell anything ever because I must have every item in my list. Wow. Wow. Uh, yeah, I started selling everything. Imagine my surprise when I encountered Missing No in Pokemon and suddenly I had... Exclamation point upside down square number of rare candies. Yeah. That's how you do the item duping glitch in Pokemon Red. So the only one I've played. Spoilers, dude. We're supposed to only spoil trails. Yeah. Sorry, guys. Now I'm never going to be able to play Pokemon. If you have not experienced the joy of missing no, then you have not lived. Missing missing no is not. (laughs) (laughs) I heard somebody's dog bark. He likes trails in the sky as well. Sorry, guys. Peter's been eaten by wolves. Peter's been eaten by wolves or wargs if he's been playing The Witcher. Although Peter's picture <laughs> on Skype is an adorable dog, Doge. And I just want to give that dog a hug. But yeah, no, like, I, I just feel like they're... The combat, it wasn't challenging enough that I was wanting to... I mean, again, this is probably also because I did a lot of the side con- all all of it that I could. Um... It just it wasn't hard enough for me to get engaged in, but it also took long enough that I was getting annoyed that I was having to do it so much. Well, it's just I don't want to keep harping on this too much, but it's like literally every time it stacks up like three or four enemy turns in a row, I was grabbing my phone and like refreshing my tabs. Yeah, exactly. It's the type of thing where if I could speed through that, boom, I'd be engaged the whole time. And then you have those shadow attacks, which is equivalent of your flicker. And then all of a sudden you're just sitting yep. there. It's like, I am going to sit here for 10 minutes and watch everybody else play the game. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. That kind of rem- – yeah. I, I remember when uh, whenever starting a battle with those uh, black guards or whatever, uh, as soon as like I saw – like if Joshua wasn't the top person using a uh, move first, I just restarted it because I don't want to go through like three shadow weavings and then all <laughs> of a sudden like not even get a chance. Oh like, yeah, you know what? I'm yep. That's exactly the point I got at. Yeah. To maybe but, go. So, Sorry, go ahead, David. Oh, I was just gonna jump into the story real quick. What were you gonna say? Oh, I was gonna jump into the music. So go ahead and go with story first. Oh, well, music's great. But speaking of shadow weaving, you kind of like. I kind of am tempted to gloss over just like almost all of chapter three because like we get some good stuff with Estelle and Joshua and Estelle further confronting her emerging womanhood. But uh, not really a lot in the way of divulgence while you're dealing with Tita and Professor Russell. Um, Doctor Russell, I like to call him. So for some reason, with the story, I I, I was kind of under the thing, the thought that if they had cut chapter three entirely, done some of the character development before the tournament, that it would have been a better game. So do you mean you feel like three was sort of a filler arc? Because honest to God, that's actually sort of how I felt. Because, again, that's about where I got. I was doing the side quests, and, like, 
when I when I, I sat down to watch the rest of the game on YouTube, and I was like, oh my gosh, everything happened. Like, people were not kidding. Yeah. Everything happens at the end. Yeah, chapter uh, three is literally three fetch quests. Yeah. Well, chapter... Go ahead, dude. I was just going to say, like, there's a point in chapter three where it starts to get, like, around the time um, Agate joins your party again. Baller. Baller. Right. That's true. We knew you could make it a music podcast. You're gonna, you're gonna get us a copyright strike. <laughs> no, I'm on the lyrics to a song. He's not even close <laughs> enough to it. Don't worry. <laughs> hey, you know what? At least I tried. If yeah, so... Oliver sues us, it's Steven's fault. <laughs> <laughs> well, Oliver, Oliver ends up singing a oh, Star song. Oliver. Yeah, I guess. Oliver. Um, uh, actually, no, I think somebody in the boards pointed out uh, it's Olivier, I think. Oh, yep. I read that as Oliver. Oliver? <laughs> Oliver, for all your 2,000 parts? Oliver, you silly sod, you did it again. Um, but yeah, so when you get, when you meet up with Agate and you're trying to save Professor Russell and you start to, like, confront um, Richard, I feel like this is when the game really starts to, like, kick it into gear. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm willing to agree <laughs> with that. Find out like those Blackguard guys are actually the Intelligence Division special ops. They've been the army the whole time, and Richard's the bad guy. Government conspiracy. Really but in this, yeah. so here's the only bad thing, I guess. He's not actually the bad guy. That's not a bad thing at all. All right, so I actually I did like that sort of twist, like the whole mind control thing. Um, it reminds me in an odd way of Ultimatia, where you have these characters in Final Fantasy VIII who are posited as the villain for like the whole game, and then it's like always somebody else, always somebody else, and then it comes back around. And it's like no, actually, it's always been the same one person, and that that's cool because then you have a bad guy to focus your ire upon. You know, FF8 has a lot of narrative issues, but like, it's, I, I was gonna say, I thought Idea was a much stronger villain than Altanesia, oh, yeah. but curse all Peters, swarming like Peters across generations. But so here's here's my fundamental problem with that. <laughs> That's spectacular. That's wonderful. Good job. You you pulled the rug out from us. There's something even more important. Mm -hmm. But that needs to be part of this game. Then part two needs to be part of part one. Well, you can't, ha you can't oh. leave us hanging with that then. I think part of the problem is that you're looking at a series that has three entries for a complete arc. So, you know, on the one hand, you could say Div Digital Devil Saga Part 1 should have the whole game. Yeah, you you do sort of wish the whole plot was there, but on the other hand, it's like... I, I like the idea of sort of episodic storytelling of this nature. It's like a book series or like a, a film yeah. series like Star Wars, where it's three arcs of this... It's the same overall narrative, but you're still looking at different discrete parts of it. So I, I have to say, I can't fault them for having it set up that way. I, I wish that the first part got interesting sooner, because it's actually... I keep comparing it to other games, but that You keep comparing it to everything else. That, that always, <laughs> that's how I do a lot of things, like music too, and like... I, it's a Xenosaga type thing. I didn't play Xenosaga 1. I, um, I, I watched Good. a friend play some of it, it looked terrible, and then I watched the entire game as a cutscene, and then I played 2 and 3, and... Some argue that two is worse than one, but I disagree. I, I, I sort of like two, and I think three is great. Um, and it's like, I I feel like 
Xenosaga 1 has a very similar thing of like, oh my gosh, we're just spinning our wheels for so long. Like, there's no reason you can't have character building happening alongside narrative building. And that's that's what it comes down to for me here is that I... You shouldn't have to play through the first... If you have a 52-episode anime, the first 15 episodes are usually character building, but they're also usually advancing a narrative, at least the ones that are good do. Yeah, they should be. Yeah. So that's... that's I, pretty- I don't have... I'm sorry, I don't, ha- I don't have any actual like evidence to back this up, but I think I remember reading somewhere that um, Trail's first chapter and second chapter were originally one game, and they got split due to how long the whole thing was getting. S- kind of similar to how the Xenosaga games were initially going to be split up. Oh, I wish they were that's originally really, six. That, that's a like, really good point, because I feel like if they did try to combine... Um, chapter one and chapter two, that's going to be like a huge monstrosity of a game and a narrative. Which I think, to an extent, there's nothing wrong with that. Like, you can have a super long RPG, and that might have made the arc feel more complete. Um, mm-hmm. you, you know, you'd still have this really interminable beginning part, but then you'd have a Final Fantasy 13 where, and I'm not, I'm not saying 13's plot is especially great, but at least it's sort of a complete arc. Whereas, like, here, you know, you get it gets really good and then it ends. Yeah, and also it, it's yeah. actually not that long of a game. It's you look at yeah most of every other game we've we've named today, it's almost twice as long. So if you'd have taken part two, put it in there, hypothetically, it's the same size as most of the other RPGs we've talked about. Especially if you had a turbo button. Yeah, then it's like yeah. half, oh, even half of that. Really... So I, I think overall, my thoughts on the game are actually it, it does you know I I've sort of downed the gameplay, but I actually feel like overall I'm positive on it. Um, it's, it's, it's an experience I'm glad I've had. It's sort of like reading Moby Dick. I hate reading Moby Dick, but Moby Dick is a wonderful work of American literature and you should read it and you should appreciate it. But the experience of doing so is not fun. Um, but in the end you are, you're more enriched. And I, I, you know, we, we had a question, I think it was from, uh, Liam Tasker actually asked, and I'll, I'll pose this question to you guys now, uh, do you want to play a second chapter? And my response to that, I'll go first, me. Uh, I, I do actually, I do want to play second chapter because everyone, you know, the plot has gotten started and now I actually am interested. And I guess supposedly there are, are they going to be backporting the, ter- uh, the fast forward into second chapter or is that only for Vita versions? I think it's just for the V it's just a feature they're adding to the Vita remix. Well, maybe. Yeah. It's a, like a HD re-release kind of, I think. Yeah. Maybe. It, it, it's basically an HD, yeah, an HD port with some new bells and whistles. Well, Exceed is actually pretty good about doing the re-releases of games. Like they did Akiba, Akiba Strip, which I think is a stupid game, but uh, you know they, they do a lot of the versions of that. Like they've done the PS4 and the PS3 and the Steam version. So maybe we'll get the Vita version. I would love, because you know, at a certain point, I know I'll play Second Chapter, and maybe it's different. Maybe the game is tweaked because you know Digital Double Soccer Two different from one a little bit in some ways. Maybe the gameplay will be tighter or faster. But either way, I am interested enough where I think this is going to be a Xenosaga situation where I'm like, yeah, I'm interested in the story. I do want to see what happens next. I just don't ever want to play the first one again. Man, and it is it is really powerful at the end. I, I ended up crying again this time through. That, that, that ending was a gut punch, if there ever yeah. was one. Yeah. yeah. I, it's one of those things, I, I, like I said earlier, you remember, the, you remember the first and last of a game or a movie or whatever, and I'm like, all right, that was a good note to end it on. Like, I'm glad, I'm glad I... I, I initially considered, and then I was like, I have a responsibility to Retro Encounter to finish this. I considered not watching it because I was like, oh, I just don't care. And I watched it. And I'm like, all right, good. I'm glad I did that. 
Yeah. Okay. Man. So do so, you do you guys want to talk about the? Oh yeah. Do you well, guys want to play, play second sequel? chapter? Yeah. No. Wow. No. Yeah, I absolutely do, for sure. I'd, I'd definitely be willing to down, somewhere down the line. I don't know if right now I'm feeling a little burned out, but so, but yeah, I'd play at some point. Marcos? Yeah, no, I'll probably be a day one on that. Just to see the story through. Yeah. You know, I think, yeah, I, be, I think I'll be a day one purchase. I might not be a day one play because it's the type of thing where Exceed is bringing over this game that has clearly been difficult for them because there's a hundred million billion lines of text and, you know, they're not a giant company and I want, you know, I, I don't like a lot of what they release now. Uh, I'm not a huge fan of fan service type games. So I really, I try to support games like this that come out that are not as fan service Even if I don't think I'll play it right away, I'll definitely buy it at launch because I want more games like this to come and I don't want people to have to wait as long for Final Chapter. That's fair enough. So do you guys want to talk about the uh, martial arts tournament at all? Not I thought really. it was awesome. I thought it was great. <laughs> I have said this on other shows. I hate tournament segments in RPGs. Always. Really? I don't like really it. I'm just like, there are a few that have been done well, but like Tales of Exelia has one. Actually, a lot of those games have one. Like every single time that comes up as a narrative device, I immediately go to sleep. I'm like, oh, let me guess. We're going to fight several battles and then something crazy is going to happen. And one of the characters is going to be a mysterious other person. And then we're going to have a fight. And yeah, I just think... I just feel like it ties the narrative and the gameplay together in a way that is really empowering. That I can see, yeah. So, I, I didn't go into why I said no, why I wouldn't play Chapter 2. And oh. I, I I think the third and fourth chapter almost sum up why I wouldn't play a second game. Um, well, yeah, I already said, story's fantastic, it is. Um, they just... There's not going to be enough changes in the first or second game that's going to fix up the gameplay. Gameplay at the end of the day, they, I'm not sure if it's... There's not rewards for battles, I'm not sure if it's because they just don't know how to structure a quest. There's nothing, there's no meat there to get onto. And uh, the whole third chapter is just this massive... Uh, oh. Fetch quest. And I, I think this tournament's just kind of like we didn't need this. Yeah, so you sort of feel like you don't want to play it because even though you like the plot, you are still going to be subject to what, even when the game supposedly got good, you still were not digging on how they designed their quest, and that I can appreciate. I feel at the end of the day they were looking at this and was like, let's make this really funny joke. Let's have them do all these hoops and jump through everything and make it mean nothing. And then when they're about to quit, we'll have this really, really cool story moment that makes them care just enough to keep going. Um, I felt like there's well, this huge bait and switch the entire time. Well, I'm of the opinion that like I think the only real problem with the combat system is the pacing and like the speed of it. Um, I could see how you fall on the other side of that, though. Um, I do still feel like I, I always get this niggling feeling like do you guys remember how Mass Effect 3 had that just dialogue only mode mm -hmm. that, like I want that for this game like I want to just run around the world and like interact with people like normal and just just strip all the combat right out just give me the game well it's sort it's sort of like uh, and again I'm gonna bring up another comparison because that's what I do 
Kingdom Hearts 358 over two days is not a fun game to play, but I no, love I love watching the cutscenes in the HD collection because I actually think it's a fairly poignant story, especially the really good parts towards the end. So, and Xenogears is another example. I actually don't really like the gameplay of Xenogears, but so I think Disc 2 is awesome because it's like, yeah, I'm going to sit in a chair. They're going to tell me the story. This is awesome. And so <laughs> that is the perfect example for what I want this game to do. I like, want, I really liked Disc 2 of Xenogears. I want Joshua to get punched in the head, sit down, and then wake up in a dark room. And Estelle's like, let me tell you everything that has just happened and is about to happen. And I'm like, you got it. Done. Let's read some text. And then their repressed id shows up in a giant robot. <laughs> yeah, I, I've I've I, I fully swung to the side. I want this to be an anime. I don't even want to have subtitles. I want it to be in English. I want this to be such a passive experience for me that I can have it on in the background while I'm doing something else. I'd say that is a fairly strong indicator of how you feel about the game. Yeah, yeah. I it, it, I, I feel really terrible because there's. I legitimately feel torn because there's so much there that I, I really, truly, actually love. I know it does, has not come across basically on any of the podcasts we have done. But it, this this is a good game, and I definitely see why people like it. It's definitely not the right game for me. I think that's, you know, that's a, that's a fair assessment to make, is it's one of those cases where I, I agree with you that, you know, I, I would like to play on because whatever, but... Um, I can see it's one of those things where I see what people like about it. It's not for me. Like, you know, last night, Derek was, we were on random encounter. Derek said, I can see what people like about the Witcher three. Not for me. So I can dig that. I'm in the same, I'm in the same field there, my friend. Yeah. And that's so going on to a chapter two, I, it's one of those things I tried this. I'm really happy. I tried it. I feel like for me to keep pushing beyond it would just be torturing myself for no reason. And and I'd finish chapter two, and I would be in the same boat. Like, there's so much there that I like, but overall, I just have this terrible taste in my mouth when I'm done. The return return is not enough for the investment. Right, and then... It's that reward feedback loop again. Like, you're not getting what you want out of it. And then beyond that, at least going from chapter one to chapter two, Joshua and Estelle are going to be there. For all intents and purposes, we've heard they're not main characters in the third one. So I can't imagine a way to piss me off more than have two games, 50 hours invested in these people, and then have no payoff of them being involved. My friend, let me introduce you to Shadow Hearts from the New World. Uh, although that game is great. I actually, I don't know, I saw a video of Final Chapter and it looked like they were in it. They're, yeah, they're in it. I think they're like equivalent to like Zane and Oliver in this game. Like they're uh-huh. side characters. I, I don't but want like, that. But that has worked really well in the past. Like again, not that I'm trying to say you're wrong, Josh, but like Look at the Golden Sun games. The Golden Sun games, you play the second game, you play as the bad guys, and then everyone joins up together, and it's awesome. I've yeah, I don't know. Up... I think I think it actually does sound compelling to like give Estelle and Joshua to a different group of bracers and have them have like new connections, and I, I think it would help it from getting stale. Yeah, and like think too. Once once they do join, you have these new characters that you've built up new relationships with. It's like when a TV show has two characters that have been on for a while that don't interact a lot start having plot lines together. It allows the yeah. writers to do something new with those characters because now you have these this fresh set of relationships with you can rely on the players knowing Joshua and Estelle and then you can do new things with them. To not be, every it, time Joshua or Estelle does something cool, you're going to have like such a strong connection with them. But not to be kind of a jerk about this, 
do you think that they could actually pull off setting up new characters and then reintroducing them to the old cast in one game? I mean, I, maybe. I, I think I've been looking up some stuff about um the other games in the series since there's the chance that we might get one of the Vita entries later because the Exceed trademarked um, Trails of Cold Steel or something like yep. that. Mm-hmm. And um, from what I've been, from what I've what I've gathered, it looks as though the, the the strength of this series, or at least what they've been doing with it, is the setting. So like, Zero no Kiseki, the pair of games that immediately follows this, takes place in another region of this world. The yep. Cold Steel games, Sen um, Sen no Kiseki. I think so. They they they, they so. take place they take place in the the Arabonian Empire. So I feel like their strength is to be able to establish different casts from different parts of this world. And all see how they fit together in like the political like climate of this place. It is an interesting experiment. It sort of mirrors what they do with Adol going all over the world in the uh, E series, um, yeah. where you know you're getting, you know that one's a little different because they're not quite as plot heavy. But you're getting like all these different tastes of the world's culture and like uh, not necessarily the politics, but it's it. Falcom has a very particular style with narrative, and I personally don't know that this is my favorite of their experiments but uh, i do at least appreciate that they are it's, it's like ivalice you know like ivalice has all these stories that take place in different parts of it i think they're better but you know it, it's cool to not see the entire world in one game like we I, we have this conditioning where like classic jrpgs are like yeah you're gonna walk around every continent and then you're gonna get the high wind and you're gonna fly everywhere and you're gonna cruise the world in 10 seconds for me if you're gonna set up a giant world like trails in the sky does it's actually cool to not see that whole world because if you're going to have so much detail in just these few areas you go to, it makes logical sense that there's no way in the span of one journey could you see the entire world. Mm-hmm. So, so to answer your question, Josh, I think from from my point of view, it looks more like could they introduce new characters as well as they did Joshua and Estelle? Yeah, but like, would we want to go through like the whole experience again just to get to the better parts? Then I'm not so sure. Maybe they could write it where it's faster. Like, maybe they're not bracers or something. I don't know. Or maybe they are bracers, but they, they gloss over the, we're baby bracers, now we're cool bracers. Like, I, th- I, think, I think the Arabone, I think the M- the Arabonian Empire games, I think, are at some kind of, like, Type Zero-esque military academy or something like that. So how I think the third one, at least personally for me, where you'd get me interested again, is if they were part of the Ouroboros. Ouroboros. The, the it, villain cult? Yes. Yeah. And so, because th- they've been watching everything this whole time. And so it's one of those things they're fully caught up on this. And it, if you had them almost being part of the whole plot the whole way through. So if you have, like, the first chapter them interacting with the first game, the second chapter them interacting with the second game, and then a chapter of them by themselves, and then, like, a final conclusion why they team up with uh, Joshua and Estelle after being, like, betrayed in the third chapter i'm cool with that story i think that's the only way you could get me excited for different characters though let's see what happens maybe once we get final chapter crossing fingers 10 years we'll be able to find yeah 10 years poor exceed so uh, can we talk about weissman the faceless now sure (laughs) i actually have questions about that uh, I think that's the coolest freaking name ever, just because his face doesn't exist in anyone's memory of him. Yeah. Uh, I, I, yeah, sure. 
There's actually a character like that. <laughs> I'm going to make another comparison in Pillars, in Naruto? Of, Eter in Pillars of Eternity. <laughs> well, also, yes. Where, like, nobody actually can see or remember this character and what, what she looks like and there's reasons, but, yeah. No. Cool. I was, was going to say, he's, he's Jack and Hagar from Game of Thrones, but... I got nothing. It's just a creep. Nope. Nobody? Okay. I'm only the ch uh, third season, so... Sorry. Oh, he's, shown up by, he's shown up by then. He's in season two. Uh, and he didn't remember his face! See? Look at that! It worked! Yeah, it worked. <laughs> he got me. Damn. So what, what questions do you have about Weissman the Faceless? So, one of the big issues I had was the questions about what Joshua actually knew and what was unlocked when he was having that meeting at the end. Um, yeah, that, that is a little bit tricky. And I, because we probably want to, I mean, I don't know if any of you guys have read anything about second chapter either, but we probably want to avoid no. any sort of spoilers from that too. Definitely. Yeah. I don't want to know anything about that game and I will stab you, Stephen. So I, I, I guess my, I'm not, not, not going to say a word. I guess the <laughs> issue I'm having is we kind of have that acknowledgement for the first couple chapters that, or at least the prologue. That Josh, when Joshua says to Cassius that you should have killed me or you should have left me, like yep. all of that. So he obviously knows that he tried, uh, my interpretation, he knows that he tried to kill Cassius. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think I, I think that's not in question. I think he definitely knows. And the, but then how, that he knows. how was he not aware that he was an assassin? I think he was totally aware. He talks all the time. That is like, like there's something permanently broken in me. I'm not the same as you people. Like Then what actually was unlocked in his memories? That's what, uh, because so like, that's my interpretation is oh, his just, knowledge just of all his memories of Weissman, Elba, and who he is, and that whole society, and why he was doing the assassination gig. So he remembered what what he was, just not why he was doing it and who yes. was involved. Well, okay. it's like Kurt, Kurt was also under the influence of uh, Elba, uh, and he he says to you when his memory comes back most of the way he says I can remember everything except for his face. Okay. So Joshua was probably in the same situation. So how, how I interpret it, and this is part of the reason I think I found it so confusing. I I thought he didn't remember anything about the assassinations, which then a lot of his guilt wouldn't make sense to me. So that's what I kind of interpreted as what was being unlocked. So that I, that actually makes me a lot happier because that makes sense to me what yeah, you said. He's got a Real guilt complex. Yeah, he does. Okay, good. I'm okay now. <laughs> good. Um, man, that was just such a good reveal. Oh, the best thing about that scene is when he's done talking to Joshua, uh, Estelle's walking to the rest area with ice cream, and Elba has this like skin crawlingly horrible conversation with Estelle, who is oh. just none the wiser. Yeah, yeah, that was uh just like it's that you you go from like kind of trusting and kind of liking elba to like in that scene just immediately just having horrible murderous feelings about him well that's it's like the, the rug got pulled away yeah What was that? Well, that sorry, I accidentally muted myself. I was coughing. Uh, <laughs> now, well, that, that's again, that's one of, like I said, that's one of the strengths here is that, like, I was, like, I, I'll admit, I was a little positive when I was talking about it in the first episode, optimistic. 
midpoint, I was like, there's no way they're going to make me care about any of this. There's not. And, like, they really did. Like, scenes like that um, with Elba, like, when you, skin crawlingly awful is a good way to describe it. When it's like, Ugh. Like, and that's, and partially, it's funny because I, I complain about the pacing of the beginning, but spending so long learning these characters and, like, that backstory that builds up to these things, like, you know Estelle well enough to know how she's going to interpret that conversation and how she's not going to. So that's what makes it sort of creepy to me and, like, affecting the, the storytelling the, thing. And even at the end of the game, she has no suspicions about Elba. But in all fairness, she had no suspicions about anybody throughout the whole game unless they were cute, according to Joshua. I just, like, how tragic is it that Joshua didn't give her, like, a warning when he left? Like, oh yeah, that Elba dude, you better watch your back. BT dubs, he's no, he like, bag, yo. Yeah. Yeah. And then he makes her pass out in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> well, it, it was, it was, it was in a castle royal villa. Well, still, you got that Duke there. Mm. Yeah, he was hitting on her. The only person yeah. that's creepier. <laughs> that was a, that was a hilarious scene. The colors, Duke. The colors. Not quite as funny as when Oliver started singing a starship song, but <sighs> we're gonna build this dream together, guys. <laughs> yeah, he. There, there's a couple. Yeah. There's so many good Oliver moments in Chapter 4. Oh my god. I think he might actually be my favorite character. Because nope. he's the best. Oh, he's definitely my favorite character. The Griff Falcon. <laughs> Sieg. <laughs> Sieg is cool, too. Hands down my favorite character. Further, um, further evidence I like, that we I love it like anime, Peter. right? <laughs> exactly. Yes. Sorry, Davey, go ahead. Uh, I don't, I, I don't know what I was saying, man. <laughs> I'm totally over that now. <laughs> well, then perhaps we might discuss some of our listener email. Yeah, let's do that. So Can we, uh, okay. talk about the actual ending first? Oh, yeah, oh, of course. Yes. You want to talk it, about Joshua? Yeah, it makes sense that we at least wrap up everything. Oh, yeah, that's actually what I was going to go into, was, uh, I want to say there's, like, I was kid. I was kind of kidding when I was talking about Revolver Ocelot last time, but there's like some pretty strong parallels to Metal Gear Solid 2 in this game. Arm chopped off. That's always such a convincing plot device. <laughs> Actually, you know, and again, comparison, but like, it's very Xenosaga in that you get this conversation of forebodingness at the end, where it's like, Ooh, like you finished what's currently happening, but something even more foreboding is coming. Wah! And like. And at least in the case of Xenosaga, like with, you get the conversations with Chaos that sort of cast whether or not he's good in sort of a weird light. Like you, you, you've been with him, so like it's like you're with Joshua. You know Joshua is good. There's no way Joshua's not going to be good. But like you're suddenly like, hmm, like you're. It, it's it's challenging what the way Estelle views this character, and I think as the player, like at least for me, is viewing this character with what the reality of this character might be. You know what's really yeah. interesting about just Joshua? Like, I, I was just thinking about this when uh, they were talking about uh, just uh, whatever his name's Weissman. Like, he has the ability to, uh, like, manipulate and, like, transform someone's heart. I'm wondering if, like, what happened with Joshua, like, was he really a killer or did Wiseman make him think he was a killer? Oh, interesting. Oh. And, like, did he just have that one assassination? Because he, he said that Joshua was more of a spy for them. 
um, after a failed assassination. Did he know it was going to be a failed assassination, or was he just a spy, thought to be an assassin, uh, but he knew he was going to fail and just be a spy? Because uh, he does mention that he was telling, uh, or Joshua was telling uh, the society or Wiseman or whomever information about the family for five years. Uh, yeah, he doesn't recall any of that. So uh, that's yeah. really interesting to me about uh, hmm. like uh, Wiseman, like what. What did he really do? Like, right? That's like, yeah, that's a, that's. Yeah, a, that's I, 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 I didn't think of that at all. I never so, thought of that. Like, I really like this guy. Like, as soon as I saw the, yeah. Whenever you see a fox-eyed character where you just see yeah. those lines for eyes, and when you see their eyeballs, you, you can't trust those guys. <laughs> except for, when I saw that. I was, fair point. <laughs> so, Davy, what were you saying about Metal Gear Solid? I'm Metal Gear Solid's like my favorite series oh, ever, so I'm just, excited to just hear this. Just the parallel between Joshua and uh, Raiden. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, I see. Uh, brought uh -huh. up uh, as a killer, Jack, the yeah, Ripper. Yeah. Yeah. I am Lightning, Jack the Wind Reborn. Oh, Jack yeah, the yeah. Ripper and the Black Knight. <laughs> okay. So we're talking we're talking about Metal Gear Solid 2 Raiden, not Revengeance Raiden? Or... Uh, yeah. Well, if it depends think... on how grungy our voice gets. <laughs> I. Just what, yeah. Can Josh, can Josh I, show up with a uh, sombrero? <laughs> I actually, once I got that sombrero, I played the whole game with it. Because you should. Be. Oh, yeah. Why wouldn't you? Sure. So, I, I'm going to go the opposite direction, and I hope he killed all those people. It's grim. Yeah, well, so... Um, okay, actually... Before you make your point with this, I actually agree because I think it would be a soft way out if suddenly it was like, well, we hinted that Joshua had this dark past and all these terrible things he's done. But don't worry, he's actually a super nice guy and it's okay. Exactly. Like that, yeah, that is the easiest way out. Uh, I think a lot of anime would take that trap, that route too, because it's like, no, we can't have our, our shonen hero suddenly become a dark, horrifying murder killer. I mean, sometimes they do, but like, it would be a very easy way out. And I actually think I'd respect it more if it was like, like, even if it was a narrative thing, like, maybe they're like, oh, it would be great if Joshua didn't have full faculties when he did this. But it's like, no, it's like, he did it. I think I have like, something good to say about this. <laughs> um, so I, I felt like it, it was kind of hit, hitting me at the end of this game the second time that really the whole theme of this game is really about responsibility. Like, this all happened because Richard felt like Cassius was shirking responsibility when he left the army and then... Like everything, some every time someone does something bad, they end up getting hit with all the responsibility, and it's about growing up and being responsible for more things. But like, if Joshua didn't do all that stuff, and he, this whole complex was not about taking responsibility for his actions, I think it really screw up the theming. So I kind of agree with that. That's part of the reason I want. There's, so there's kind of three prongs. One is what you said. Two is he, he's like fucking awesome. He'd be a badass. Um. But then most most importantly, I view it as a redemption story and like an ultimate plot device for a love story between the two of them. Yeah. So he was this cold-hearted person that was murdering like all of this. He fails. He could have just continued in his ways. He's shown compassion by his basically father. He falls in love with his basically sister, <laughs> ignoring the ignoring the creepiness of that. Sister, not sister. But he is then willing to spend the next five years and beyond forever working on himself to make sure that he is not that person. 
Yeah. It reminds me a better. little of Veroni, Veroni Kenshin also. Yeah, very like, I have to atone for what I know I've done, and it's terrible, and I'm not trying to hide it. Speaking, yeah, so of, I, speaking of falling in love with his not-sister, why is that such a prevalent trope? Tales of Legendia did that, too, where it's like, hey, we turned out to not be brother and sister. Let's have a relationship. Oh, like, <laughs> that, um... That bothers what, me. Did we, rec- did we record this on cam- uh, on uh, podcast that we, I was talking about that? This kind of reminds me of uh, On a Guy Teacher 2, where it's like, oh, yeah. the main character, two girls, one is your sister, one is not your sister. And it's one of those awkward things, like, like, is it Wincest, regardless. Oh my god, that's, that's a little creepy. Um, <laughs> that is a. T- I was like, he's kind of like your sister. I like, love that word. <laughs> <laughs> no, but um, I think it's adorable. The whole cell thing. I just think it's. I think I'd be more creeped out if they grew up as like babies and like to adulthood, but because so it was it's like so like lunar. Yeah, like because uh, I think it's is it lunar two. Where, like, they grew up together and then they sort of fall in love. I think it's the first one, but don't quote um, me on that. I don't I don't understand why that's such, like, a prevalent trope in Japanese media, but it's kind of a cool framing device in, like, the way that when you're going through puberty, you go from having, like, no feelings to suddenly being bombarded by them. And, like, I, I understand how it's a good way to set that when you, like, use a someone who is extremely familiar to the character to be the source of these confusing feelings. Yeah, and I guess, you know, from one perspective, you could also argue that it means they know them well, like, personality-wise. Yep. Yeah. Well, like, when Estelle's, like, getting weird about bathing with Joshua, like, they've probably taken dozens of baths yeah, before. that was yeah. the other thing is, I, when I cut Chapter 3, how they did that whole, like, oh my god, you're in love with him. It... The whatever they were doing with that growth of the conversation between the two of them before they moved outside was completely and utterly ruined by that whole outdoor scene. Because it was ridiculous. He has shorts on. She has a towel on. They they had to have seen each other uh, once. I really I have to disagree with that though. Like she freaks out because she's suddenly aware of like her sexuality and sexuality as a whole. Like this is something that was never in Estelle Bright's mind ever before. Yeah. It's kind of showing to the player that, like, she has grown and she's, like, seeing the world in this new way as a woman rather than a girl. See, I viewed that as prologue Estelle that I wanted to strangle. (laughs) (laughs) It's funny because she's still, like, a little naive, um, like, even throughout the game, like, uh, when uh, the Duke was hitting on her, uh, talking about, like, a cup of tea, whatever. It's the AKA the same thing as you want to see my etchings. Uh, and she need that to be explained to her. It's like, that's not what he means. He doesn't actually like, want to show you his etchings. Or he doesn't yeah. really want to drink tea. Honey, honey, there's yeah, no tea. Yeah, I like that. That was an awesome little scene when Hilda takes Estelle aside and explains why men shouldn't ask for tea in polite company. She was just very quiet. It's like, oh. <laughs> oh, dear. Yep. Well, I'm growing, all grown up now. Well, I'm all grown up now. <laughs> my my said, brother he, just screwed me. Well, I'm all grown up now. He's also said thanks for taking him to the bar later. Uh, don't tell me about that either. <laughs> In fact, you know, just leave me out of all of it. Arrested I'm going home. Wonderful show. Man, there's there's kind of a lot of Arrested Development jokes here, too, with all the, the family romance. Joshua, I need you to help me. I can't. I'm... 
Don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's move on to those emails. Yeah, let's. We, emails. As we said, we're super. We want to engage with you, with you, the listener. Uh, we've been on the message board a lot, um, and I'm really glad. I know. I'm sure I could speak for everyone here when I say I'm really glad to see that so many people are engaging and actually playing the game along with us. You know, we're. I, I, I at least am personally sorry that some of us weren't as high on the game as I think you all were, but. You know, I, I think that also creates for a more interesting discussion. Like, you know, if you can take a game that maybe you really love that some folks are critiquing and you, maybe you can look at it a little more objectively or maybe it can reinforce what you love about the game. So, like, I hope all of you will play along with us and that you enjoyed the first game. Um, and, you know, coming up next, we have Final Fantasy X. You know, we're literally recording that one tomorrow, so you won't have to wait long. Uh, but... Uh, one way we really want to engage with you all is by reading your emails. So I'm not going to read every single word, but uh, I, I do at least want to shout out to some folks who maybe asked us questions or wrote to us just to point out that we appreciate that. And we want you to keep talking to us because that's fun and that it gives us a little something extra to talk to at the end of the show. And um, Steven, if I wanted to write an email, where would I send it? Maybe you would send it to retro at rpgfan.com. It's super duper easy. R-E-T-R-O at rpgfan.com. And Thank you. I'll do that right away. You should do that. <laughs> um, so uh, Jean-Marc uh, wrote to us, and he's a listener of all of our shows. Thank you for picking up this one, too. And you made a forum account to chat with us, so thank you a ton. Uh, awesome guy. Um, he's really interested in the show. He said, great idea. Um, and that he picked up the game to follow along, too. And he also wanted to point out that uh, if you're interested in playing Trails in the Sky and are not a fan of Steam uh, or you just want to support the underdog, uh, Good Old Games also has a DRM-free version of the game. So uh, that's the PC high-resolution version. Uh, a lovely gentleman by the name of Liam Tasker has also joined us to chat and has said quite a few comments, and you wrote a couple emails to us. And so I, I, I've read it to the team and everybody else. We, you know, we've read all your emails. But uh, I did want to thank you for writing so many messages to us and like engaging with us. Um, um, one thing that Liam said that I really wanted to uh, oh, yeah, yeah. is that he said that um, well, Trails in the Sky gets really tropey and like it retreads a lot of the same ground that other stuff has done. Like he didn't mind because what it does, it does so well, and I think that really resonates with our experience. Yeah, yeah I'd absolutely agree. That's uh, I think that's true of almost any narrative. Is that like you know there is only so many types of narrative you can have. Not every game can be Xenosaga with like four hundred million different plot threads going on. If you tell a simple story that's been told before, but you tell it in an engaging way, and you give me people that I like, like Stell and Joshua, I think I absolutely think that works. I just want to point out I don't think Xenosaga has ever received this many shoutouts ever. It's because <laughs> I wanted the I... HD version. <laughs> I want to play that again, man. I haven't played a Xenosaga game since I was dating my wife. It is weird that I would pick up on Xenosaga so much when it comes to Trails in the Sky. It's just a strange combination, but I don't know, man. I, yeah. I do comparisons. That's my thing. <laughs> uh, all, all the characters like from Xenosaga kids, they all look like children. Well, in some of them they look like children. Oh, and they change the art style and they look wait, like monsters. Imagine, imagine if you will, Estelle grows up about eight years later, imagine if you might she look a little bit like Shion Uzuki, terrifying monster Shion from the second one, or baby Shion from the first game. Uh, I was going to probably the first one. It's the second one, and she had a terrible cooking accident. <laughs> <laughs> Those exploding eggs. Oh, oh. Ah, yeah, I don't think eggs are supposed to explode. Uh, so, explosion. I know. Actually, I said that was... Shion was known for her curry. 
So I, I said I wasn't going to read every email, but I, I think I have to read this one. Uh, and this is from Coriandra Moore. I'm sorry if I mispronounced your name. Uh, the subject line is, Yo, dog, I heard you like retro podcasts. Uh, and it's written in quite fine language, but I would like to read the last part, which is, My good men, I implore your haste, as my desire to partake in your podcastery is like a man in the desert parched and left wanting near a dying cactus. Yours sincerely, Amon Zayamon, Esquire the Third, Regent of Canterbury, Duke of Wellington, Salisbury de Steak. <laughs> Thank you for your message. You made us laugh. Every time uh, I've heard that, I've laughed. laughed. No, so you should I, let him know what we're playing uh, in July, then, since we've decided. Uh, do we want to spoil it? We, we could keep people on the hook, though. Do we want to? Yeah, I'd rather have them stay on. interested. No, no, no. Oh. Don't tell them, because we made a hint about it already on this recording. Let him find it. That's Oh, you're right. We did. Oh. Exactly. That is their job. Look for it. Wow. Um... <laughs> So thank you for your email, and sorry it took us a little longer to get episode two up, but, uh, you know, generally speaking, you'll see, you know, the middle episode somewhere in the middle of the month. Um, I was I was going through graduation and stuff, so I wasn't around, and then I ended up missing the recording anyway, but that was my bad. Oof. But uh, don't worry, the next, this episode will be out hopefully a day after we record it, and then sometime next week you'll have the uh, episode two one with our next game, Final Fantasy yeah. X. Uh, Liam wrote to us again. Liam, thank you again. I Forgive me for not reading your whole email. Um, but Liam nominated, uh, he said that in 1-2, uh, you all would be interested in doing a visual novel. Great idea. Um, he suggested Danganronpa, Trigger Hacky Havoc. And I'm, I've actually, I'm in the middle of a playthrough of that game, and it is pretty cool. Uh, that would be a fun game to do. It's, I think it's most recently released in 2010 or something, though, so maybe it's a little too new, but we'd have to, we'd have to pull the audience um, on that one. So you know, I, it's a little older, and also really good, is 999. baby. Nine. Oh, yes. Man, that's my favorite visual novel. That is the first visual novel I completed ever. Uh, And it was, I've I've told this story before, but I was talking to Derek about it, like on Twitter and text. And I was like, "Eh, this is okay. This is going to be, I hate, this is so lame. Like, I hate that I have meta knowledge about the story that the characters don't have. How could they possibly know what happened in my last playthrough? Boom, mind blown, amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So I actually bought a Vita to play through Danganronpa, both of those, and then Persona Gold. Good choice. That's pretty much why I bought them. And everything else was just like icing on the cake. The Virtue's Last Reward is also on Vita. It's a sequel to 99. Also an awesome game. Yeah. Yes. Oh my god. So Maybe good. we can play Ever 17. No, but I, I, I hear how good Ever 17 is, and like I've always wanted to play it. Ever 17 has like the best ending in the world, but it has really, really bad pacing problems getting there. Ah, uh, I see. Yeah, so I, I don't know if I'd suggest that unless you have a ton of time. Um, no, uh, a really old Uchikoshi game that would be good is he did a game called Remember 11 that had really, really good pacing, and it was like, uh, it's about body swapping. What? It was about body swapping. Oh, okay. Uh, I thought you said body squatting. Yeah. Which um, which which sounded so much worse. It's like Final I mean, Fantasy VII. You gotta do squats, bro, to get the wig. <laughs> <laughs> Just put that in every game. I would. I think that should be a mini game in every game. Like Xenosaga. Yeah, sure. I gotta do some squats to get a hat for Cosmos. Whatever. Maybe those squats so you can snowboard. <laughs> hey, squatting does help with snowboarding. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so factual. 
Liam also suggested uh, maybe if Danganronpa is too recent, we could play a Dragon Quest, perhaps five or eight, also an option. I'm okay with both those too. Yeah, so that that's pretty much all we got for email right now. But uh, everybody, thank you for writing. Please continue to do so. And also, you know, you can hit us up on the boards too. You can get. I think I think all of us are on Twitter, right? Yep. Yeah, maybe, yep, yeah. Uh, so yeah, you can you can reach all of us on Twitter, and our Twitter ha- Twitter handles are on our staff pages on RPG Fans. So you can find us there. Um, mm-hmm. And then or I, we could just tell them right now. I'm S J M T A E L U S S J M Taylus. Davy is. I am at Davy Kaze. Josh. Just J D Curry C U R O I. Marcos. At Rhythm Room. Rhythm Room. Rhythm Room. And Peter? Um, at I have Fury. Fury is all caps. I have Fury! I have Fury! Fawful is awesome. We're always still taking suggestions for uh, future games. Yeah, We're going with a kind of system where we're alternating between uh, kind of our editor's picks that we have, like from uh, our original Google Doc, and we have a second Google Doc with all the suggestions you guys have made that we're going to be going to every other month. Yeah, so the July month will be the first your guys's the board's suggestion mm-hmm. yeah we yep. uh and we we made a we made a survey of or a poll of uh, all the selections i think and ended up picking one and i think it's too soon to give away what we'll be playing do the we have to do yeah. that we left them a secret um Secrets. it was very calculated and uh so we haven't done this yet in the show but one thing i like to do as well is to please encourage everyone listening to go review us on itunes um if you're going to give us a bad review, don't review us. No. Uh, no please do review us and keep writing to us with feedback, what you'd like to hear. You know, we got someone mentioned that we were a little negative in the last episode at the beginning. We're trying to work on that, like pacing-wise. You know, we want we want this to be as good a show as possible so everybody can enjoy it. Because we have a lot of fun recording it and chatting and hanging out. We want you to enjoy that, too. I don't, I don't know if this is in bad taste or anything, but, like, almost everyone on the show right now is, like, brand new to podcasting at RPG fan. So we really do take all your critiques to heart. And like, I know at least I like, am always looking to see what you guys say to try to do a better job myself. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a great mindset to have. And, you know, we, that's when, when I started the music show with Derek, that's what we tried to do. You know, we want, we, I mean, still to this day, you know, we want feedback because it makes, it makes a better show. Critique is important. Um, yep. But we, we would love it if you reviewed us on iTunes because that pushes it up further on the charts. We want more people that, you know, maybe don't read RPG Fan to hear the show um, to join in, you know, just because they like playing classic games that maybe necessarily aren't super old, but old enough. Um, so, you know, tell people that you think might be interested in the show. Uh, my, my running joke is get your mom into it. Uh, your mom totally wants to play Trails in the Sky, so have her play along and listen oh. to us. Sorry, you sounded like you had a comment. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> well, <laughs> I was just going to say, it reminded me what I was saying about that Mass Effect 3 mode. Is like, I would totally have my mom play, play that mode in Trails in the Sky. It's like, hey, there's no combat in this. Just push the enter button and watch this little girl grow up. A Bayonetta one-hand mode? <laughs> oh my god. That is a uh, that is, mode. <laughs> yeah. You cannot that's not what that means. I, I discourage anyone from getting their mom into a one handed bayonetta mode. 
And that's <laughs> well, you know what? You know what? No, there's no, so many your jokes. Mom to do whatever she wants. I don't think you should tell people's moms what to do. No, if she wants to play one into bayonetta mode, that's fine. I'm just saying, I I am not as a person on Retro Encounter advocating for such behavior. Like, if so you're saying yes, we don't endorse one-handed bayonetta? Neither endorse nor disendorse such things. We. You, you're free. Neither confirm nor deny. Yeah, we neither confirm nor deny. It's the whole Microsoft byline. But uh, oh. is there anything else you guys wanted to point out before we wrap up? I can't believe we're going to end on one-handed bayonetta mode. I'm trying to get us to wrap up on something else, but you won't let me. I'm so sorry, guys. Um, I, I can, I can I believe it. I had something to okay. say, and then that took my brain power. Took your breath away. Yeah, I was a little weak yeah. after that, too. Oh, my God. Oh, <laughs> That's not what I meant. Oh, wow. oh. <laughs> it never ends. I can't stop, oh. stop innuendoing in every podcast. It's killing me. Oh. You know what? Everybody, thank you for listening to Retro Encounters first month. Uh, coming right up tomorrow, we've got our next game, Final Fantasy X. So drop in and listen to uh, me telling you you're wrong if you call him Titus. I don't care what the game says. His name is Titus. It makes sense. The tides. Wait. It's oceany. Did... They don't say it out loud, do they? The other games they do, and like Kingdom Hearts and stuff. They yeah, they Titus. they don't because you actually name them at the beginning. Yeah, yep. I just call them Dirtface or Talus, probably Talus. So Steven, you'll like this. We can do, here, perfect, different subject. Um, so I started playing through it. Really bothered me that he's old because I kept picturing him as Kingdom Hearts One, where he's this little kid fighting with what? a red stick and bludgeoning yeah. his head with it. Yeah, so him and Waka being adults yes. completely threw me off. Yeah, they're, well, you know, they're they're like they're like in their teens, I think. Waka's a little older, I think. I think Waka's in his twenties, but Waka's a creepy old man. Waka is awesome. That dude has the craziest hair flip up thing I've ever seen. Like, how much gel does that dude use? Hey, you! Waka I found you in the ocean. Down. Come sleep with me. Yeah. Hey, I found you in the ocean. Come live with me. Uh. uh okay. Do you want to join my sports ball team? <laughs> And uh, hey, oh, blitz ball. Hey, they need to be fair, if I if I hung out with those guys, I would want some different company too. <laughs> um, I, I mean, how I they always, all look exactly the same. Since I'm not going to be on FF10. I really want to get this out there. I think FF10 would have been a thousand times better if instead of Blitzball, you had Chocobo Hot and Couples. I was going to say have them be like a progressive metal band. And then Titus is like this super famous keyboardist from Xanarkand. So Final Fantasy Ten too. Do 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 do. She's as cold as ice. That's not metal, but <laughs> I would play that. I was, I just you said keyboardist, and I imagine him playing that part. You yeah. you, hear, you oh, heard yeah. it first here, folks. You heard it first here. Titus singing "Cold as Ice" on Retro Encounter Two no. coming up next. Get it. Get on it, indie devs. <laughs> bye bye, everybody. Adios. Bye. Adios, adidos.
Welcome back, everybody. I'm introducing the show. Uh, <laughs> never mind. <laughs> yeah. That's how you do it. <laughs>